0: If you like what you hear today we encourage you to share this with your friends or family enjoy
1: well how are we doing today hope community church all right well it is great to see you all and i hope you came ready to hear the word of god because i got to tell you i came ready to share it and i'm excited about the word of god i'm excited about our time together uh, and i'm excited about wrapping up this series that we've been in for the past several weeks that we've been calling Defining Jesus. And what it's been all about is Jesus defining himself through his own words captured in John's Gospel. It's been a great series. We've heard from some great speakers and I'm excited to close this thing out today. And I'm also excited because I get to spend this time with you, let me just tell you, I love my church. I love y'all and I'm excited about spending this time with you, yeah. I'm also excited because it's summertime. And summertime is like my favorite part of the year, right? Like I love everything about summer. I love the weather. I love the barbecues. I love the pool. I love Will Smith's song, Summertime. Like I hear it all the time in the car. I love it. It's just a great time of year for me. I get to spend time with friends and with family. And so I love summer. I also know that summer has always been a very significant part of my own life. Uh, During the summers, uh, many of you know that I was in the military and usually they give you an opportunity to move during the summertime. And so during the summer, I was always starting a new work or a new role when I was in the military. And even in pastoral ministry, our family would move during the summers. And so we would get to a new place, and it would be new opportunities for everybody in the family. We had to move everything. We had to, to start new things. And so it was always a time where things were transitioning and changing in our lives. You see, during the summertime is when the kids get out of school school and they're hanging around the house doing nothing and they're getting ready to start a new phase of life. You see, they might be moving from elementary school to middle school or from middle school to high school. And then there's the one that should give us a lot of joy, but oftentimes gives us a lot of sadness. We travel down that long road, college boulevard, university parkway, whatever it is, and drop those children off for the first day of college. That's a big transition. That's a tough one. And we had to do it twice, back to back. But every time we had one of these transitions, it was not just a transition, but it was also an opportunity. And if we're honest, when we make these major life transitions in our lives, oftentimes during the summertime, the truth is is that they bring on just a little bit of fear. And the first question that we start to ask ourselves is, is this the time when I'm going to be able to get connected? Is this the opportunity where I'm gonna to connect to other people? Like, a- am I even gonna like my dorm mates? Are my kids gonna get connected at the college they've chosen, at the new school that they're starting to go to, at the new phase of their lives? Are they gonna get connected? Am I gonna be connected in my new role? Because we truly value connection. And here's what we know. We know what's on the other side of not being connected. Words start to creep to the forefront like isolation and separation and disconnection, and those are never good experiences. And so we value that sense of connection. You see, here's what I've learned as I've lived throughout my my life. I've learned that people need people. No matter how much we try, To act like we don't, the truth is, is that we need each other. And so God has created us to be in community with each other. There's this lateral connection that he's created the church to have and people to have in general. We're supposed to be connected one to another. We're supposed to do life with people. And that lateral connection really matters in our lives. But then there's this other connection that informs and instructs the lateral connection. You see, people need people, but people really need Jesus. That's a vertical connection. Uh, That's a different kind of connection. And that connection informs and instructs every other connection that we have in our lives. And so the question that we're going to answer today is first, how do you have that vertical connection in a very real way where it makes lasting, eternal change in our lives? Well, also, we're going to answer the question, how do you find it? But How do you fight How do you allow God to do the work in our own lives that keeps us connected to him in a very real way? Now, here's the thing. We're going to look at that through the lens of the I am statements of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and open up your Bibles to John chapter 15. And we're going to look at verse 1 and we're going to walk our way through to verse 5. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and take a look at them. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's okay. If you're watching at gethope.tv, the verses will be up on the screen. And if you're watching uh, at one of our physical campuses, they'll be on the screen for you as well. And so you can follow along. And while you're looking for that passage, John chapter 15, verse one, I want to kind of catch you up on where we have been and where we're going, okay? Uh, Where we have been over the past few weeks is looking at those I am statements of Jesus. And in those statements, he makes clear a definition of who he is. finds himself through his own words and when we look at them individually they're powerful all by themselves but collectively they give us a clear image of who Jesus is you see there's these seven statements captured in John's gospel and all of them are powerful And collectively, they give this amazing picture of who Jesus is. And then when we get to John chapter 15 and we look at verse 1, he shares this essential truth with us. It's one of the I am statements. He says these words, I am the true vine. And he goes on to say, and my father is the vine dresser. And let me just say, I fully believe that just that one verse is enough to transform our lives. Because at first glance, it might look like Jesus is just providing this beautiful word picture because he's a master storyteller. And everybody knows Jesus is a master storyteller. You may not know that, but man, he really is a master storyteller. He tells some of the best stories. And so at first glance, it looks like he's saying, I am the true vine. And he's just kind of providing a word picture. See, here's what he knows. He knows that the disciples know what vines are all about. And he knows that vines are really important to them. Vines are a vital part of life in Jesus's time. And so he's having this conversation with them. and he starts with these words, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. You see all of those I am statements of Jesus and even this statement is part of something we know in the Bible as the upper room discourse. This is a conversation that would have happened in the upper room of a house, just above the rooftop. Everyone in the family would have been sitting around, and they would have been talking. And so Jesus is in this upper room, and he's talking to the disciples, and this is just before His crucifixion. Now this is a great place for the family to have a conversation. I want you to picture the family would be hanging out in the upper room. They'd be spending time together. Will Smith's summertime playing in the background. There'd been a cooler over there. People would have been talking. No White Claw at all, none, none. But everybody just kind of hanging out and having a good time. Well, this is the place where Jesus chooses to have the conversation with his disciples. And this would have been a great place for any family to have a conversation. And by the way, if you are not participating in the family conversations that we give every week at Hope, Make sure that you do that. They're great conversations they're great ways to think and live biblically as a family. And so at the end of this service today, we're going to give you another question that you can share with your family or your friends or whoever it is that you do life with. And those conversations are great moments and ways to have a good conversation as a family. And if you don't have an upper room, do it in the living room or in the kitchen or in any of those places. But Jesus is having this conversation in the upper room. And he shares with the disciples, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, please understand that he knows the disciples. He knows that they know about vines. They would have used them for fruit. They would have used them to make wine. He knows that vines are growing all over the place. And these are big vines. These aren't vines like we see today. These would have been big vines. And so he knows that. He also knows that the disciples know the history of the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, the vine, the vine would have been referred to as Israel. Israel would have been known as the vine. And so these guys have hitched their ideas about their hope and their dreams and how they're going to be saved to the idea of Israel. And so when Jesus is saying that he's the true vine, he's doing much more than simply painting a beautiful picture. He's giving a declaration of his divinity. He's saying that I know you think Israel is the way, but I am the way. I am the true vine. I want you to just think for a second about things that you may have your hope in right now. Things that you have placed your trust in that aren't the true vine. And like the disciples, they had their hope and trust in all kinds of things. And so Jesus comes and he shares with them, the first thing he shares with them, that I am the true vine. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to explain who the father is. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, I had to Google this thing, vine dresser. And I got to tell you, there's some interesting jobs out there. I Googled vine dresser, and believe it or not, vine dresser is still out there. It's still a job that you can get. And I didn't have a real understanding of vine dresser. And so I looked at some other translations first. And some other translations say that the vine dresser is the husbandman. No help there. None. All right. No help. And so I had to kind of Google this thing up and I found that there's all kinds of jobs out there. And there are still people who call themselves husbandmen or vine dressers. And the vine dresser's role is actually to be the keeper of the vineyard. So the vine dresser is a little bit more than just a farmer or a gardener. They pay very close attention to the vine. They spend time with the vine. They care for the vine. They help the vine to grow. They know the best course of growth for the vine. And so they provide the things the vine needs to thrive, and they take away the things the vine doesn't need so that the vine can grow and bear amazing fruit. And so when Jesus is saying his father is the vine dresser, He's saying that my father stands close to those people who know me. He cares intimately about the details of their life, so much so that he's willing to take away the things that don't help them to grow. And he gives them the things that they need to grow into the best versions of themselves, into a way to live fruitful lives. Can you imagine that the God of the universe wants to be that intimately involved in the details of your life. Almost like the way a shepherd watches over his sheep. So Jesus in this very first line is sharing something profound, right? It's it's an amazing statement. He's saying that I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Like he does all the work of tending to the souls and the care of the people who are connected to me. And I am the true vine. I am that way, that truth, that life. I am the one who is the source of real life. It's a profound statement. But he doesn't stop there. If you were to look at verse 2. He continues by saying this You see, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, my Father, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Right. Some translations say that he cuts and that he prunes. And so if you were to look at this idea of what the father does in our lives, the father has two main ideas that he does. First, he cuts. He cuts things away. Right. And I don't like the sound of that. And then also he prunes. Now, I grew up in a rough neighborhood, so I know about cutting. Okay, (laughs) I had some people that would cut you just straight up. So I understand about cutting, but I don't know a ton about pruning, And it took till late in my life for me to understand what pruning is all about. And it's this amazing word. Um, I am going to say something here um, that will probably come off as a little controversial, okay? But we're family, so I feel like I can talk about it. I'm going to look straight at you and kind of share this with you. And don't judge me, okay, when I say this. Um, Here's what I'm going to share. Y'all ready for it? I like roses. I do. I just had to let that sit for a second. <laughs> I really do. I actually like roses. Um, I, I know that's hard for me to say, and let me just say um, I am a 270 pound, six foot four Marine who's a martial arts instructor um, who likes shooting targets and eating bacon sandwiches, who just happens to love a tender rose. <laughs> Jesus is both tough and tender. Let's move on, okay? But I do. <laughs> I like, I like roses, I like the smell of them around my house. Um, and I knew that I have a tendency to forget anniversaries, and so I could easily just go out and clip some and bring my wife flowers and everything would be okay. And so I put rose bushes all around my house. And let me just say, uh, at one point, I had like 25 bushes. They were going all down the side of my home. And so I had a neighbor who was a landscaper. He saw me giving the rose food, and he knows I'm a city boy, so I have no idea what I'm doing with these things. And they're growing. They're blooming. And I thought they looked fine, but he comes across the street and says, Dwayne, if you really want your roses to grow, then you are going to have to start pruning your roses. And I had heard this word from the Bible. I knew what cutting was, and I was okay with cutting, but I didn't know what pruning was. And so here's what my roses looked like before I pruned them. They were were starting to bloom up a little bit. As you can see, there were a couple little buds in there. And if you know roses, those aren't great, right? But I thought they looked fine. And so this guy comes across the street, and he begins to prune my roses. He begins to do what the vine dresser does. He starts to cut back little leaves from the roses and and he starts to lift up other parts of the rose and he starts to pull things away that aren't actually growing, that aren't actually giving life to the vine. And so he starts to cut these things back. And I'm watching this play out and I'm like, man, what are you doing to my roses? They look fine. And he cuts all this stuff back. And then about a month later, I saw that first bloom of my roses. And here's what they look like afterwards. They were absolutely beautiful. You see, pruning is this work of cutting back the things that don't bring life. And he started showing me what that was like. And I began to understand the work that the father does in our lives. You see, he cuts back things that don't bring any help or any hope to our lives. He cuts back things like relationships or things like troubles or struggles or things that we hold on to dearly that we know don't have any ability to help us to become who God would have us to be. And so the father prunes us. And here's the thing I've learned about pruning. Pruning brings out the best and a flower and the best and a branch. And certainly it brings out the best in us. so the father does the work of pruning us, of cutting back those things that don't bear fruit. And I remember what this looked like in my life, right? You see, um, I told you earlier, I had a crazy childhood. I had a rocky childhood and I grew up in a rough spot. I'm from Rochester, New York. It's a small city with all the problems of a big city. And so the area I grew up in was kind of rocky and my childhood growing up was just kind of tough. And so... um, I didn't really have a voice during that time. And so I felt angry all the time, right? And I joined the Marine Corps and the Marine Corps made my anger better. (laughs) It made me a little more angry. And so I started kind of living life that way. And if you had known me in my 20s, I was already a follower of the way of Jesus. But the truth is, is that I was still angry at the people who had hurt me. And so I couldn't actually take my anger out on them. And so I took it out on everybody around me. My family started to see it, my friends started to see it, and the most challenging part of all, my kids, they started to see the anger in me. And I remember the day God pruned that thing for my life. I was looking in the mirror and I just fell on my knees saying, God, I don't wanna be this person anymore. I need you to take this away from me. And he did, and he did. And it took a long time, but man, oh, man. But he's replaced that? that anger with joy and with hope. And that was my thing that needed to be pruned. Let me ask you, what's yours? What is the thing that you've been holding on to that God wants to pull away From your life. It could be your anger. It could be uh, your impatience. It could be the way that you speak to people. It does not kind. It could be uh, all kinds of things. It could be all kinds of things. But here's what I know God wants to prune those things from our lives. And through a relationship with Jesus, He can do hard work of cutting back the things that give no life and make room for the things that bring fruitful living. And I know what you're thinking. Everything is fine. And there's just one problem with that. God hasn't called us to a life of fine. He's called us to a life of fruitful living. And in order to do that, he has to prune us. And he does it so that we can bear much fruit As you looked into that text, there were several references to this idea of bearing fruit. He says several times that he wants us to bear fruit, bear fruit. Uh, If you remain in me, you will bear fruit, bear fruit. It's all over the text. Bearing fruit is an essential part of this passage. And there's a reason why he wants us to bear fruit, because every single person we come into contact with sees and experiences the fruit of our lives. You see, our fruit is for other people. The tree doesn't take a bite of its own fruit. Somebody else does. And our lives should represent a way that people might want to take a bite out of our lives when our lives are connected to the source that is Jesus. And so he tells us that he wants us to bear fruit. And bearing fruit is an interesting thing because you can bear a little fruit or you can bear a lot of fruit. But whatever it is, Jesus wants us to bear fruit. And it's an interesting kind of fruit that's found in Galatians chapter 5. It's not edible fruit. It's spiritual fruit. And Galatians chapter 5 says it this way, that the Holy Spirit produces that kind of fruit in our lives. He produces joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's spiritual fruit. Let me ask you one more question. Are you producing spiritual fruit? Does your life have that kind of fruit in it? You see, if I were to ask your friends or your family or your co-workers whether you are exhibiting the fruit that comes from a relationship with the vine, what would they say? because God wants us to bear fruit. And he tells us in his word how he can best, how we can best do that. How he can bring out the best fruit in our lives. As you continue to the text, he tells us exactly what we need to do in verse four. Here's what he says. He says, remain in me, abide in me. That word remain in some of your translations, it says, abide. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you because no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. It must stay connected. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And this word remain, it's a word uh, that is translated by as abide, as stay in, as stay close to, stay connected to. The the idea when you hear abide, you should hear this intimate relationship, this dependent relationship where we're dependent on Jesus and we are in him. And he is also in us. And it means a life of obedience, a life of following Jesus and staying connected to the source. And I think this is where we get stuck. I think if we're honest, Even when we enter into a relationship, this is one of the places that tends to trip us up. This idea of staying close in relationship to Jesus. And I think it's simply because we fail to abide in him. We fail to remain in him. And because of it, we feel disconnected. I would bet that in a room in our physical campuses and even some of you watching the gethope.tv that there are a lot of you who maybe have walked in today or sat down on your couch and maybe today you feel further away from God than you ever have. And I want to tell you how you can either get back into relationship with him or start a relationship with him for the very first time. You can abide. You see, uh, J.I. Packer, Uh, The great scholar says it this way. He talks about this idea of abiding. Here's what he says about abiding. He said, abiding is an old English word. It means to remain in, to stay steady in, and to keep your position in. And what it means to abide in Christ. That's what it's really all about. That is always to be resting in him, to be anchored in him, to be fixed in him, to be drawing from him continuously, to be connected and in touch with Christ, and abiding in Christ brings peace, and it brings joy, and it brings love. He goes on to say at the end of the text that that in abiding in Christ, we get the answers to our prayers. We get fruitfulness in our service. You see, the abiding life is the abundant life. And our Father in heaven wants us to have an abundant life. The way that we get there is only through abiding. Apart from him, we can do nothing. You see, here's the thing. I think we get on this course in life where we start to have some successes and we think that those successes are going to be the thing that carries us all the through. And the truth is we get all the way to the end of our lives sometimes and we realize that those things were only of earthly value. And they have no eternal significance. And the way that we bear fruit and live lives that are of eternal significance is by abiding in the vine. You see, no branch can bear fruit by itself. You have to remain in the vine to bear fruit. And this is the place where I think people get tripped up. And so I kind of want to stay here for the rest of our time today. And I want to give you some practical ways to abide because there are often times where we hear a sermon and we hear a message and then we are asking ourselves the question, like, what do we do with this? Because the whole time we've been walking through this series, we've been doing the work of watching how Jesus defines himself through his word. But now we have a response that we need to undertake. We have something that we need to do in our lives to respond to the word of God. And so I want to give you some practical steps on how you can abide. And here's the first one. We need to spend time with the Lord daily in prayer. We need to spend time with the Lord daily in prayer. You see, um, the longer you are in a relationship with someone, you will realize very quickly that if you don't listen to the words that they share with you, if you don't spend time talking with them, if you are not connected to them, it will be hard to have a relationship with them. And prayer is a direct line of communication that we have to God. And during prayer, we share our deepest fears, our deepest concerns, our our greatest triumphs. We share praise, praise reports and prayer requests and moments in our lives that maybe we are not even able to share with anybody else. Well, you can do that with the Lord in prayer. And so we have to remain in prayer. It's not a bunch of Christian activity. There's a difference from being close and being connected. And we can connect to God through prayer. So we need to spend time in prayer if we want to abide. Second, we need to read the Bible and be obedient to God's word. Let me say it again. We need to read the Bible... And be obedient to God's word. And listen, there are all kinds of ways that you can read the Bible. I mean, the Bible app even actually reads to us. So, like, you press the button and it will talk to you. Like, it's amazing. And so you can set a reminder in your phone. You can connect with other people. You can hang out with people and read the Bible together. There's a thousand different ways that you can read the Bible. And you know what I think the biggest obstacle to us reading the Bible is? Most people would say busyness. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say our sermons. And I'm a pastor. Our sermons are great at Hope Community Church, and not just because I'm one of the people who shares them. (laughs) I think our sermons are great, but they are of themselves are not a substitute for our time in the word of God. And we talk at Hope Community Church a lot about seeing 100,000 people in and around the triangle, thinking and living biblically. Let me just share with you, we are never going to get there if we don't open the Bible for ourselves, see what it says, and apply it to the way that we live our lives. And so I want to encourage you, if you are not reading and applying and obeying the Word of God, to start, begin to read the Word of God for yourself. And allow his word to do the work in your heart that he wants to do. Here's another thing that we can do to abide. We need to get connected to others who are also abiding in Christ. Now, this shouldn't be the sum of all of our relationships. I told you, people need people. So this shouldn't be the sum of our relationships. But man, it should still be some of our relationships. We should be doing life with other people who are followers of the way of Jesus. We should spend time with other people, both so they can hold us accountable and so they can share in the fruitful living that God is giving all of us. It's good to have somebody to encourage you. It's good to have somebody to call you out and to call you up into a stronger relationship in Jesus. And you can start that today. I want to challenge you say hello to somebody you may not know at the end of service today. And maybe you too, God, might be doing something amazing where you can start walking alongside some other people who are also abiding in Christ. And here's the last one. We need to allow ourselves to be pruned. We need to allow ourselves to be pruned. We need to open up. And allow God to do the work that He needs to do in our lives of removing all the broken branches and all the hard places that we have hidden from the world around us. We need to allow God to do the work in our lives of removing those things that we know we've been clinging to for dear life because pruning hurts, but it's necessary if we're gonna live fruitful lives. And abiding means being open to the Father, cutting back those things that we hold so dear that bring us no life. And I want to encourage you to allow God to do the work of pruning. It's hard work, but I can tell you that pruning brings out the best in us. I told you at the beginning of the service that we would have a family conversation question at the end of all of this today. And so here's the question that I want to share with you. And it's directly in line with abiding in Christ. What parts of your life need to be let go of? What do you need to allow God to prune? What needs to be let go of so other parts of your life can grow? Because I believe God desires us to have fruitful lives and to share those lives, not just with ourselves and with God, but with the people who we come into contact with. You see, this whole series, Jesus has defined himself clearly, and we have a response. We will respond not by what we say, but by how we live our very lives. So I want to encourage you today as we close. I want to encourage you to to realize, to understand, to apply the fact that he is the true vine and that his father is the vine dresser. To allow him to do the work of cutting and pruning in our lives so that we can bear fruit and to abide in him as he abides in us. Jesus is the great I am. And he needs to be at the center of our lives. So let's take a moment and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the fact that you are the true vine. And I believe that the thing that all of us is searching for, every single one of us, you've put in us a desire and a search for connectedness, both to each other, but also to you. And I know that in the transitions and the hustle and bustle of lives that we can sometimes get disconnected. So, Father, I just pray today that as we have heard your word, that we would apply it to the way that we live our lives. That we would connect to the source of life, the true vine. Maybe even for the first time today. Or that we would reconnect to you. Help us to be open to the pruning work that you want to do in our hearts and in our lives. We will give you praise now and forevermore. We thank you. In Jesus' name
0: we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the HOPE Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.